Good morning, pilgrims and travelers on the funny path of life. Funny indeed it is. Time to be or not to be. That is a motherfucking load question. Anywho, as you can possibly guess, I am quite pumped. <laughs> uh, 7.30 on the Camino. It's a glorious morning, beautiful morning. Uh, feeling awesome. Had a very nice breakfast. I guess I'll start with this uh, chapter number one. Companies of the Camino, or the Fellowship of the Camino. I've talked about it before. What I consider <laughs> the jewel of the Camino is uh, the encounters, you know, the people. And uh, I have to say, uh, yeah, though I feel, it's kind of a tricky one, but though I feel by comparing, which of course I can't help doing, you know, different Camino, different years, the, the intensity of some of these encounters doesn't quite feel the same, <clears throat> but the volume, I feel, is actually possibly been more. So basically, you know, really still really enjoying the, the possibility, the opportunities to connect with other human beings, and sometimes you know, to throw your expectation out of the windows or your criteria as to, you know, what is a good or bad encounters. And then when the opportunity comes to be open and to be flexible and at times creative. So, case in point, there is something funky on that tree. It doesn't look like it could be an owl, actually. Huh. I want to see. I think it's an owl. No? Oh, oh no, it was a it was a bird. Okay. So there was this. Uh, I mentioned her, the twin sisters to Aurelie. You know this woman that I met in Tegaria, the first uh, town that I got to once I crossed over from the Ignaciano to the Camino of the North. And it was just a weird feeling, you know, and. Some kind of a couple of exchange ex- exchanges happened, and then it was like, ugh, don't like it. So I kind of uh, kind of steer away from her. And after that morning, where I turned around and went the other way, you know, I saw them one last time, and I pretty much assumed that was going to be the last time that I was going to see them. But they came last night, and then there was this man who I thought was German, turned out, uh, okay, hold on a second here. I am not, okay, here is the error. Uh, turns out he's Dutch, Rob, his name is Rob. And then the, I mentioned the French uh, engineer, uh, his name is Yves, with Virginie that I met a few times and it never took off. So, I would call it a silver lining, I guess. Yeah, I'll take it. A, I'll call it a silver lining. So anyway, so I didn't interact much with Aurelie twin sister, but it was it was peaceful. The, the little couple of little exchanges we had, very short but nice. 
felt like everything was clear. So the edge was off. And then with Eve, you know, we, we chatted for quite a ways. Uh, last night, actually, I ended up having to... Well, we were helped because we were kind of outside, but people could hear us from inside the, one of the dorm and then kind of ask if we could move the conversation away, which was like, great, you know, just thank you for helping me to transition out of that. And uh, so, uh, Eve, basically, what it turned out to be, okay, hold on a second here. I think am I? Yeah, I'm just looking to make sure. Okay, good. I'm on the right path. So it was a very enjoyable. It was a very, of course, light. You know, I, uh, when I went to give him a hug, when I had kind of a nice conversation, I like to give hug to people, and it was very awkward for him. But I went on. And I was like, yeah, this is something we do in the states, you know. And I say I actually prefer that to give a kiss on the cheek or whatever. Or like a shake of the hand. And anyway, and then he kind of, uh, you know, <coughs> gave me a hug back. But it was definitely very awkward, like uh, you would expect for some of the men's. Anywho. <coughs> but it was like, yeah, everything is nice and clear. And then Rob, you know, the Dutch guy, which I saw, he had such a solemn face before that he was like, ugh, don't want to be around that type deal. And then... Uh, yeah, it was very smiley, and then we had a very nice chat yesterday afternoon, and again at breakfast, we ended up sitting together, and then chatted, again, he's from Holland, talking about euthanasia, <laughs> breakfast time, uh, topic of champions, right? <coughs> and uh, so, that was nice, and then I went and shook the head to Bernard, very serious Frenchman, who takes his position very, very seriously. Uh, anyway, I was like, yeah, thank you, and uh, have a good way, you know, good uh, good life type deal. I didn't see Dominique, uh, she was uh, cleaning the table, but I didn't see her after. I saw Omar, the guy basically in charge of the place, you know, thanked him, and then uh, went to see other Ernesto, you know, to thank him. And he wanted to take a picture of me and him, and then of me by the the wheel, and you know, you just, uh, I felt no, I felt nothing like, <clears throat> I don't know, it, it is definitely puzzling, I don't think it will stay with me for too long, but uh, I am, you know, I am puzzled, I am puzzled about, uh, yeah, kind of being told, you know, by him yesterday that, you're going to be going back on your way tomorrow. And it was done very, very nicely, very smoothly, but it just was really, it was strange. So, <clears throat> but that won't stay with me very long. Regardless, it doesn't matter. I had no interest in asking, you know, like, is it something that I did, which used to be my, my pattern before? And I was like, no, there's no, nothing is missing. You know, it's... Uh, it, it has to be this uh, uh, reciprocity between, you know, both parties. And uh, it's okay. Oh, hold on a second. There's a German shepherd right there in front of uh, the gate of his heart, I take it. He is on a leash. But, yeah, I'm not going to go. Sorry, guy. You look rather peaceful. 
Yes. You look good. You look very peaceful. But you're on the leash and you're German Shepherd, so I'm not going to come close to you. <clears throat> so, slept good. Didn't wake up before 5.30. But uh, I could have actually stayed in bed a little longer. But beautiful morning, of course, where we are here in a country. <coughs> and, uh, you know, when they did my routine, the Wi-Fi connection wasn't that great. So my, my language practice uh, didn't go very far this morning. Um, and uh, on the road I am to Santander. So... I'm going to stay there now, and I actually went to Airbnb, and I find a quite affordable place to stay, so I'm going to, you know, I want my kitchen today, I want my space, so I'm going to splurge and enjoy, uh, of course, uh, the cheapest, <laughs> of course, it's the cheapest Airbnb that they have, but, well, actually, no, this one is maybe like one or two dollar more than the other one, because the other one didn't have a kitchen, so I'll have my bedroom, and I'll have access to a kitchen which I do want. So I have pretty much no food. I have a little bit of Nutella, some peanuts, but that's it. And then a cereal bar from breakfast that I'm hauling, but there is nothing else. So I am, uh, my grocery store is empty, but you know, it is Friday, I'm going to Santander. So I will uh, get myself reset. If there's a laundry machine, I'll do, uh, I'll definitely get going on, you know, getting, maybe explode my backpack and then getting everything kind of uh, reorganized, reset, you know, because it's like, it is strange. It was just one day, but still I was like, okay, I'm here now, you know, and uh, being on a road, I feel great. You know, there is a, uh, yeah, it was a very smooth transition, um, <clears throat> you know, I basically... I got a very nice day off. I mean, the body feels great. Anywho, I am, uh, yeah, I'm top. Everything is a-okay. Uh, one of my gel pad, which, which was weird, you know, what I use between my two toes to prevent uh, the corn, which is like a, a two of my bones rub against each other, and then there is this growth out of my pinky toe on the left side, that's not to grow. And it gets uncomfortable and then it can be painful to wear just very, very sensitive. So I use this kind of a gel, which is amazing to, uh, to separate them, to give it a little padding of the suspension and it works beautifully. And then that day when I was with Paco, when I met him in uh, Castro Uldiares, it was like he suggested to go and take a dip in the ocean. And then we did. And as I took my sock off, somehow, which is really strange, the, the pad came right off. Normally it sticks to my toes and I have to physically uh, take it out. But this time it came off. And for the life of me, I could not find it. <clears throat> but I had another one, which was fine. And then yesterday I was like, you know, of course, it's, you know, you transition all the time. You know, I moved room. It's almost a transparent color. So... Very easy to misplaced, and uh, depending on your burger, sometimes the weight works, 
I have access to a sink not too far. So I quickly rinse it off and then put in my right shoe. So that's my right foot. That's problematic. <clears throat> and then I realized I don't remember where I put it. So I was like, well, if I can find it, you know, I wear my shoes this morning. If not, I'll, I'll start barefoot on the Camino. And uh, eventually, <laughs> I found it. It was it with my bar of soap. So I'm wearing my shoes this morning. Though I was barefoot all day yesterday at the albergue. <clears throat> so actually, what just come up, I think I'm gonna go with that. Kind of a little description, my experience of the characters from uh, Guemes, yeah, from the albergue. So there is Father Ernesto. So an 85-year-old, a full head of white hair, born and raised here in Guemes, traveled all over the world, working priest. You would you could call it the basically spiritual father of the place. Then you have uh, Omar and Rose, and they have two kids. <clears throat> They've been here 14 years, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, very very hard worker, sweet guy actually. You know, I saw him interacting with a pilgrim. I was dealing with this German lady who, strangely enough, uh, need to be uh, taking a flight from Bilbao today at 1.30 p.m. So basically uh, having to go to, looking at going to Santander to catch a bus, to go early enough to Bilbao to catch another bus to go to the airport, you know, early enough to be able to do the checking and all that stuff. Which I'm like, whoa, not good to play with air flight. But anywho, so I was basically helping her because of translation, <coughs> because Omar doesn't speak a uh, lick of uh, English, and neither does Father Ernesto. But of course, you know that's uh, it's becoming. Uh, it's nice to see that that we can just really uh, flawlessly, pretty much navigate between English, French, and Spanish now. So it's fun, you know. Because with Bernard, I go to French, Fazer not so go to Spanish, and a German guy going to English. And uh, <coughs> why did I bring that up? Oh yeah, Omar. So, uh, like I've been here a long time. He's running the place. Not yesterday, but uh, you know, he does a yeah, he does a cooking in the kitchen, and I think we may we might possibly are very similar pieces because the kitchen is very clean, very sparse. So, <coughs> anywho, so a Colombian, you know, darker skin, kind of like the indigenous of uh, Colombia makes me think, not like the Spaniards, but I guess Andalus Andalusia is also, you get some quite dark skin, but not the same. Uh, pretty much him is going to be the dark skin all year long. Like Pilar gets very, can get very, very freaking dark, beautifully dark in the summer, but you know, comes winter, she will lose a lot of it. So, met the kids just yesterday as they were going to spend a couple of days or whatever, I don't know where. That's for them. So, you can see a hard worker, a guy clear, kind of knows what he wants. They are saying that you see, like, how the table is set. Uh, like in France, you know, you have your, normally you have your fork and your soup spoon on the left and knife on the right, 
and a dessert spoon on, on uh, between uh, by the plate and the glass. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, the glasses go to the right. And then you normally know, you'll have your water glass, your wine glass, but anyhow. But here it's different, and uh, <laughs> it was quite clear, like, it has to be done that way, which, of course, it's fine, you know, it's like, yeah, just tell me, you know, you can't expect people to know something that is not only different, but when they are new, you know, about each place, so, you know, I, I learned that very quickly, that they are things that they like, like in a toilet, you put the three roll of toilet papers, like in a pyramid, so the beautiful thing about it, I don't care about the whole pyramid, but that doesn't matter, that's an easy thing to do anyway, but that they make sure that there's enough toilet paper. Because in some albergues, uh, <laughs> more often than not, you know, you kind of need to think about it as you enter the toilet. Or like in my case, a couple of times, I fucking had to underwear down, fucking look for fucking toilet paper. And sometimes you have to go to the woman's bathroom to, to get it. Because it's completely scavenged out in the men's. <clears throat> so... They got a very good system. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's quite an impressive plate, I say. Definitely worthwhile for people to go check it out. Uh, very, very interesting. So, that's Omar and Ruth. Then you have Bernard. A bold, funny-looking designed beer that he has. Not the handlebar mustache, just like a very fluffy, standing out. Shave to the side, but the front of the mustache and the beard linked together, grayish, full, big. And he's kind of, uh, <clears throat> in terms of housekeeping, he's basically, uh, after Omar, whatever Omar is not involved with, that's what Bernard is taking care of. So very kind of serious, uh, a little rough, kind of a little rough of a guy. I remember seeing him with... Uh, Teresa, who is one of the volunteers, she's from the, she's from Slovakia, and, uh, you know, she, so she speaks Slovakian, she speaks some Russian, uh, a little bit of che uh, Czech, and then uh, amazing English, and very, very good Spanish, so, and a little bit of French, and at one point in front of uh, pilgrims, it was basically going to, sp he was speaking to her in French, but she's just uh, very uncomfortable, you know, it's a language that's not as easy, and she hasn't practiced as much, but it was kind of rough in front of the... I felt to me that it was kind of rough to, uh, to her. So it's, it's kind of a little rough around the edges, but obviously, I don't know if he's being paid. Uh, if I had to guess, I would say yes, but it would not surprise me if he was actually also a volunteer and he was just offering his life for I don't know how long it's been to help out. So there is this guy. But, you know, he's, he's there very early in the morning and he's there until late at night, from what I can tell. So somebody who's dedicated and uh, a hardworking person. Uh, very responsible. Then you have Mary. Mary. So she's from uh, France, from the Basque country, and she's been coming here for the last four years to help out, you know, to volunteer. She's living today. Uh, quite a heavyset woman. Uh... The image I had of her is like a microphone, you know, or a loudspeaker. Somebody who knows the information and is kind of repeating it, but somehow uh, <coughs> kind of as if it was her information. You know, I, I kind of as, as if she was lecturing. So a little pedantic for me, if I find her. It was kind of a little... Uh... Anywho, 
kind of a black and white kind of a thing. And there is, you know, like uh, to give. Okay, hold on. Let me finish with the introduction. Then you have Dominique. So for me, Dominique, I have this cool image. She's like a female Tintin, Tintin. You know, the French character, the journalist, the inv investigative journalist, animated. Steven Spielberg made a movie. It's a very big uh, comic book series in France, Tintin. And Emilou, I think it was Milou, his dog. Anyhow, <clears throat> so the, the, the justice journalist. But she makes me think of that. Her face is just very, very interesting. Uh, definitely a very French thing. Uh, anyway, but it made me think of a French Tintin. But she has curly hair, and not of that uh, blonde, uh, blonde thing. And uh, interesting, yesterday, so I have, I'm wearing this uh, polyester synthetic t-shirt, like of course, almost all of the pilgrims. But uh, mine, I had a little sticker, you know, with uh, the tag with all the information about the washer or whatever. And from time to time, it will stand, you know, outside of the back of my collar, which of course I am not aware of. And it is not uh, itching or nothing. It doesn't do anything. So I still have not cut it. And it doesn't mean anything. But she couldn't stand it. She had to go in there without asking me, which is very interesting. Putting a hand and then flipping it and putting it or tucking it on the inside. So I was like, okay, 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 interesting. So I'm kind of explaining how she just couldn't stand it. So very, very interesting. So the color is my thing and... Anywho, so she has kind of a waist. You can see she's kind of a... There's a little controlling going on here. Uh, and not that I don't, you know, and I'm not saying it, but I'm not saying it like somehow there's something wrong with that. It's just something that stood out about her. <clears throat> and, you know, I, and I think actually most of them did have stuff like that to where this is how things kind of are. This is how it gets done. Case in point. The pill, actually, no, 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 let me finish. And the last one is this young Slovakian Teresa. I didn't get a chance to talk to her too much, actually, but really quite impressive young woman. Uh, <clears throat> she's, a traduct, she's a translator when it does a presentation in the evening from Spanish to, to English. Uh, I thought it was funny for five minutes, like thinking of myself to do that. It would be fun, but doing the same thing every night. Uh, that'd be freaking boring. <laughs> Not for me, but impressive. Really, really impressing, dynamic translation. Very, very good. <clears throat> Heavy set gal. Uh, like I said, very young. Looking at working in some kind of developing de development for I'm not sure what, as a, something she kind of mentioned at a meal. <clears throat> and then there's other people. There's Ivan, who is a a Russian guy, I don't know, he's driving a car, so I guess he lives here, and he was here all morning yesterday, so he comes and does things. I think there are a lot of people who come in and out of this place, who are involved, whom, for whom that place means something. So, <clears throat> you know, something to be said. It's kind of a, it looks like some kind of a, like a social vortex here. And then there is this lady, I forgot her name, she was again here yesterday all morning, Helping cleaning, very chatty at lunchtime, and I'm sure many, many more. So case in point. <clears throat> so, you know, as I'm kind of getting my, my foot in the door yesterday, trying to kind of, okay, give me an idea about, you know, what, what the run of the meal, what, what they look like, you know, to give me an idea, because I have no idea, you know, nothing is 
you don't have training, you don't have anything like that, so you just learn on the spot, which is fine. I'm used to it. <clears throat> That's the way it was uh, on the Albergue Verde. Uh, Miriam was a little more organized. She kind of, uh, yeah, she was a little more uh, rational, psychological, you know. Uh, she had a system about training the new guys and then uh, schedule, and so it was more structured. And I have to say, I'm not sure which one is the right one. I used to be quite a structured guy. I still like it when I start from scratch. But there is something to be said that, hey, just go with it. You'll figure it out. So, the pilgrim arrived, like when I did, and I asked, I was asked if I was hungry. You know, it was, uh, it was about 2 o'clock when I arrived, so it was still early. They don't do it uh, when people get later, but you arrive early enough, and they will offer you food. So, and I was offered that wonderful plate of lentils, you know, you feel welcome, and it's like, you know, people kind of understand, like, okay, we've been walking for a while, you know, we're talking about 29 kilometers, so some people are very tired. It was, it was rainy weather. People got wet, and so wonderful. And then if you come later, you're being offered some water and a cookie. So you know, like almost nobody does that. Few of them will offer you a drink, and it's very, very rare when, when, when it's going to be that. So it's very, very nice. So you do feel welcome. And then at one point, you do the check-in where you write yourself the information in a book, in a register. And then then you start to get a rundown of the place. So, you know, you, you will be shown, depending on where you sleep, some dorms have their own shower and bathroom, some just have their bathroom, and some have just the beds. And then, then there is a common shower site for men and women. You get shown where... You can do your hand washing of the laundry where you can hang it, or we have washer and dryer, so that's kind of it. So, you know, the, the most important for the pilgrim anyway, when you arrive, is most of the time, okay, where am I going to sleep? I want to put my stuff down, and you want to clean yourself. And for a bunch of us, it will mean daily doing some laundry. And then, <clears throat> because of where we are, you know, they, it's pretty much everybody. Well, Paco was the only one, but... Pretty much almost everybody always will have their dinner and their breakfast there. Some people sometimes may start early enough, some do, you know, and then, then they're going to walk to the next town or whatever and have a coffee there, but they don't want to leave as late as 7 o'clock in the morning. Well, it may seem early for you, but on the Camino, depending on what you're looking at doing, 7 can be like, that's too late for me, which used to be my case. And so, you basically, okay, we'll have dinner, and normally you would say time, but this one is different, because there will be the talk about the, the place, about Father Ernesto, and about the philosophy. So, the talk itself is, you know, fine. I mean, you learn some things about, uh, you know, which is cool, actually, you know, it's informative, about this guy who's done quite, uh, he's had quite a life, for sure. So, it is interesting. I think for me, I can only imagine day in there to to be in that. But I really enjoyed it when I went to that talk the first time. So you don't need to know what time is dinner because basically, after the talk, the dinner is ready. So it's around eight thirty, and then you uh, 
you go and eat. You have all this big table. You have this beautiful. It's really, it really is a gorgeous, really is a gorgeous wooden table. I mean, ridiculous. Very, very, very nice. With very nice varnish. Anyway, uh, it looks like a quite expensive table where 14 people can sit, and then you have those foldable kind of like a, you know, like Rubbermaid type table. But very nice, very spacious. And you know, like I say, Omar get it very good. And he knows how to use a room. Like I said, there were 60 of us or so the day before. Last night was about half of that. And, uh, but anywho, <clears throat> so you have dinner and then you tell people, I don't want to get too distracted here. And then you tell people, about the breakfast, which this one is important, which is beef between seven and eight, you know, which nicely tied to basically, people are gonna have to be up, you know, by a certain time. And almost everybody, you may have some young, guy, young guys that are just, uh, oh, that's gonna be something there that I see from him oh, already. Yeah. Uh, you're gonna have some young guys that will oversleep, but most of us will be up, of course, to enjoy breakfast. And many will be wanting to start early anyway. And then uh, to go. And so, when people check in, you're right by the entrance to the dining room. The first day when I arrive, I have to say for me personally, I don't freaking care about the place. Sometimes I'm tired, so I want to take a shower and maybe lay down or whatever, but I just need the basics. Like, where am I sleeping? Where's the shower? Why do I hang the laundry? And most of the time, there's a kitchen, you know, okay, where's the kitchen? Can we cook? And where's the grocery store? Which with Google Map, <coughs> you don't need uh, too much. But, uh, you know, out of that, I don't really care when I arrive. So I take it that way, which is like, you know, let people know what's important. So what I tell you here is to make sure you talk about the mission, that it's a social project, it's not a donation place. You know, you kind of need to repeat people. To repeat that to people several times because they're going to keep forgetting. So there is kind of a thing about that. Which I have to say, personally, that did kind of like, you know, bother me a little bit. That it is repeated that many times. Again, you know, it's like it's fucking David sitting. And I understand that some people will forget. Some people are spacing out. I get it. And, you know, of course... Uh, to each his own. That's what this place did. I would have my own idiosyncrasies if I was running my place. So I can appreciate that. That somebody would look at and find as a questionable or being like, anyway, kind of a little weird. But basically, they want you to kind of drive that point. You know, like uh, one will anonymously, responsibly, you know, donate what he feels is right for, you know, everything that he has partaken in this place. And uh, so during the talking evening, before dinner, that point is being driven home. And then again, at dinner, you know, uh, at the end of the meal, there is a talk being given. And again, the talk about, you know, to be responsible and uh, to, to support the place. And then again, then when you check people in, basically, that's more important than the rest. You're supposed to say that. And uh, yeah, to me, that was kind of like, yeah, of course, I'm going to talk about it. But my case in point, sorry, that was kind of a short story long here. Um, we are right by the entrance to where the meal is going to take place. So to me, 
what made sense as I was taking them to the room and I was going to cover the ground, you know, like about where everything was and the logistic and about the chat. And also that there is an informal talk in the little hermitage after dinner. Uh, <clears throat> I'm like, oh, here we go. As we're leaving, I want you to look here. This is the entrance to where dinner and breakfast will take place. Because I think a visual is a kind of a nice full aid. And if I end up walking and just talking about the mission of the place and the kind of donation that it is, and then later on I talk about dinner, then I don't have that. I don't have the actual location to show people. So for me, it was like, well, of course, I'm going to reorganize. The information will be shared, but the order is not relevant. And so kind of burnout walked out. He was sitting there to kind of uh, like make sure you tell them about it. And I'm like, yeah, sure. And of course, I said nothing. I'm like, okay, that is fine. But it was just interesting. That kind of... Uh, Maybe kind of I would call it uh, what comes up is uh, uh, cynical babysitting. It was like, so I'm sure, you know, they've seen a bunch of, of a volunteer. There have been a lot of things happening. I mean, I have barely touched on that. It is not my first rodeo, you know, and this is not, again, the end of the world. But so my case in point was about that kind of like black and white and that kind of uh, an element of seriousness. That was definitely made obvious. You know, I, I do I do find that. I have to say with French people sometimes that... Uh, and maybe that's fucking me too. You know, maybe I don't quite see it as much in myself. But that... Uh, yeah, take themselves uh, rather seriously. Anyhow. So... That was for the crew. But like I said, you know, it was my first day. I was already getting kind of the lay of the land. And uh, yeah, I was, uh, I was ready to, to take the time, you know, to, to get into the routine, you know, kind of uh, get to know the people. Oh, this looks like a very nice place. Looks like kind of like a bed and breakfast. Uh, El Solar, Posada. I'm not sure what Posada stands for, actually. But that's a very nice looking house and quite some parking. So my guess it's some kind of bed. Oh, yeah, it's got to be some kind of bed and breakfast. Anyhow. So, yeah, I was I was ready to stay there. But I really, I really feel fine. I really do. Uh, it is definitely in my rearview mirror. I am obviously, you know, spitting a lot of uh, silly facts and observation about the place, as I am enjoying a beautiful, uh, almost coastal walk to Somo, then to get across to Santander. While that memory is fresh, because of, uh, you know, there are so many things happening, and, you know, coming to a different place every day. And uh, funnily enough, I had uh, taken out that uh, the photo of that Alberg and Granion which is not a big deal in itself because of, uh, well, I know where it is now. I know what it's called. Actually, I can bring back the photo anyway because it stays in the trash for 30 days. Uh, but I don't plan to, uh, to do anything about that for now. I am going to keep walking for now. And uh, <laughs> definitely something that was uh, 
quite startling when I saw it was what the temperature, like looking at what's in Sevilla, or I put Caceres, which is in Extremadura, which is when you go Via del Plata, yeah, from Sevilla to Santiago, and looking at the temperature being the double, the double of what it is here. Uh, and I'm like, mamma mia. So the, the point is, you know, of course there will be rain, so it's going to be more, more witness, but just so much less, uh, I mean, yeah, when you're looking at 40 degrees, I mean, that, that's a kind of a different ball game when it comes to walking, you know. In my case, it would mean, it'd be tricky, but I think what it would mean is, you know, getting up around four and then starting to walk before six. So you have the light, of course, and then to be done in about six hours, to be done around 11. Which then could be tricky, because that is mighty early for some albergue, and uh, I don't know. But uh, I guess that would mean waiting in a bar or finding a shady spot. But, uh, yeah, that kind of weather is definitely in a pack. It's like spring, yeah? It's like uh, spring in uh, Andalusia. Just uh, without its cold weather, because it was like, uh, I don't know, 17 degrees, you know, this morning, so it was a little humid. You could see the dew on the, on the grass and on the windshield, but very, very, very nice. Actually, left my door open all night, last night. <coughs> so, anywho, so I'm about to come to this town where you're supposed to choose whether you take the shorter trail, which takes you... Uh, on the road, and then to the to that bridge. In the case, it's a railroad that is well, you know, you, obviously it's illegal, but basically, you know, you just need to pay attention, which for me will just means, you know, don't have your ears plugged in, and uh, basically walk on the railroad tracks to get there. If not, you have to add uh, either 12 kilometers or taking the train. In neither of those options. Okay, so I have my Airbnb. I already checked on that, and I can check in at 12:30. So it'll be nice. It'll be an early arrival. So it's like five hours. Yeah, I will. Pretty, I'm pretty sure I, sh I will be there uh, around the time. Maybe finding a fruit stand along the way to get uh, maybe some paraguayos some oranges or some mandarins, so some nice fruits, to get me to uh, to the end of my day. I ate like a pig this morning. And, uh, yeah, and reset myself, and uh, possibly looking at uh, making a nice big day tomorrow. Uh, obviously, being in an Airbnb, I will not see uh, anybody. I may see them in the town. I have no idea how big it is, but well, obviously Santander can't be that small, but I don't think it's going to be big as Bilbao. But I don't know. I didn't do any uh, any homework. So, on that note, my friend, like I say, beautiful day on the Camino. June 10, I guess it is, something like that. And then I wish you a beautiful day, and uh, we'll see you... Uh, on the most west side of today's hike. All right, Juan Camino.
Well, well. Walking along the coastline to Somo before having to cross whatever that body of water to Santander. Doing good. It's warming up outside, but it's a, a freaking gorgeous day. And like I said, seeing Santander, so <laughs> looks like a good size town, all right. But anyhow, a short while ago, I, uh, well, I was catching up with a bunch of pilgrims. And then at one point, I got to uh, Aureli, twin sister. Actually, I still don't know her name. But anywho, and then she, as a pastor, you know, kind of, of course, you know, greeted her, acknowledged her, and she started to strike a conversation. So, you know, initially she was like, oh, I, I thought you, you were going to, you know, stay at the albergue. It's like, ah, no, no, you know, I guess uh, that's what was yesterday and then today I'm on the Camino and so we started to talk turns out last year she dished a job a home and everything and she's kind of a globetrotter giving you about a year she's from Switzerland uh, just to give you a kind of an economical context so uh, if you go outside of Switzerland with a Swiss lifestyle you do very very well in Europe it is one of, if, I don't know if it's, uh, even though it's not part of the European Union, but I call it within the European context, it's possibly the most expensive country to live in for European. So, just a little context here. And uh, basically, but still, you know, she, she was a nurse, she works in the maternity ward, and then she got disillusioned. And uh, so anyway, we talked for a while, and then, she loves, she loves the sea. Hola. And uh, so we talked a little bit of it, and me, of course, being the forest. I mean, I'm, I do mention the mountain, but for me, it implies a forest. If there's no forest, I'm actually uh, not that interested in the mountain. So I just love uh, whatever she seemed to feel and express like, the kinship with the water. To meet the forest. Anywho, so but the one bringing her up, so it was a nice, nice conversation. You know, very nice, nice and light on her feet. And then, uh, then she kind of stopped to talk to some surfers, I guess, or maybe to stop to enjoy the sea. And of course, I didn't wait. So, but one thing that I found interesting, and I realized it's kind of a theme on the Camino, and I think in life actually in general. And the ironic part of it is, reading Sapiens, I'm finding parallels. Because it talks about myths, you know, stories that people have to believe in for them to have power. You know, then they become beliefs, you know, and then become really anchored. And then it's like you don't even see a choice. You, don't, you may not even realize it's a story. You may take it to be the truth. And that becomes faith. And that's maybe also where religion comes in in society. To try to help to anchor that. Um, and of course, since the story of God is going away, that uh, I guess it could be the carrier in the coal mine for, for societal structure. And people may be underappreciating it. Uh, but that uh, more and more people are believing, not believing, are becoming. Uh, Cynical, 
about what we call life, what society, what civilization has done. And they're looking at it and they just, I think more and more they're not buying it. And uh, of course on the Camino, you know, you're going to find more, more of those people uh, because, you know, and I'm a firm believer in that, the overwhelming majority of people who come on the Camino, they don't just come to walk. They don't just come to do tourism and they don't just come because it's cheap. Sure, that's part of the recipe, but uh, there are other ways to do that. But there is something about what they heard about the Camino from people they know or a book they read or something they watch, something about it that maybe even unbeknownst to some of them at the beginning. In her case, you know, she seemed pretty clear that that's kind of what it was. You know, she's doing exploration. She's trying to recenter, reground her life to see what she wants to do next. So, you know, she's opening up herself to the universe, shall we say, and doing it differently because she's not satisfied with what's happened so far and with the model she's been following. And so, you know, a lot of people in the Camino... Okay, hold on, before I go into this one, I'll finish my point here. I want to digress a little bit, but I could get lost. So, so there is that thing, you know, that the whole myth-busting about what life is, about happiness, about success, about what family means. And of course, you know, for me, I'm going to be on that margin because the family life, you know, that I attempted, you know, did not stay. The suture broke and then and pus came out and blood and I ended up realizing that what I was doing to try to do some healing in my life didn't work. So the, the family uh, Pleasantville myth just blew apart after my divorce. Well, actually, really before. I think it was your for that pressure and that pus to slowly build up, and then in the end it just kind of blew right in my face. You know, somehow I thought I could hold it together, and it's quite clear. You know, hindsight, like they say, is always twenty twenty. But uh, <coughs> so it's I find it very very interesting. You know, those people and. Uh, Kind of a couple of uh, side points here. So I think that's my point, more or less, yeah, about uh, the parallel between sapiens and then kind of what that lady brought about. And of course, she's not the first one and she will not be the last. That uh, our fairy tale is falling apart and there are many ways people are dealing with that. I think the most common is uh, self-medicating because You've invested so much, and the idea of losing it all is almost unthinkable. I think for the overwhelming majority of people, it's too freaking scary because it leaves you empty-handed, and at least you are you are comfortable with what's becoming more of more of a comfortable hell of a life, and then you just uh, get your little. Uh, little cranny niche and cranny in there from a spot where you can be as comfortable as you can and then then you die and uh i'm not saying it in a bad way i guess i made sound but uh okay hold on a second here let me see uh-huh okay oh come on 
motherfucker. Jesus Christ, where am I? Okay, here we go. Okay, Sumo is right there. Alright. So, well, I'm only 10 kilometers to, uh, it's 9.34, shit. Um, we'll see, doesn't matter how, when I get there. I guess I'm not surprised that it will be most likely around noon when I get there. Anyway, all good. So, um, so yeah, my point being, you know, what she brought out, uh, many people had before, but in her it kind of stood out more, this, this disillusioned idea about one's idea of one's life and uh, starting from scratch. And more so, more interesting actually than that, but the people who are willing to do that, who are willing to scratch off the board, wipe it all out and say, okay, let's start all over again. You know, that, that's something that's interesting. Why only such, you know, small percentage of people, it be, for which, for whom it becomes irres, irresistible and who are willing to risk so much for no idea of what they may gain or, you know, I guess the idea of gain or loss anyway is a joke because it's neither. But anyway, that's interesting. So, uh, last night at dinner, so I met Alain from Brittany and the northwest part of France near Mont Saint-Michel in Normandy, kind of an area that the French make fun of because it has a reputation to have a lot of rain, but it's a beautiful luscious green area by the coast. And they're very, uh, they have a reputation to be very stubborn. I'm not sure if that's not uh, correct actually in this case. But I don't know that many, and I don't care. But regardless, just kind of to draw you, like, kind of like the Basque of uh, the Spain, you know. Very kind of rough, tough people. The, the people from Brittany have uh, les Bretons, huh? Breton, Breton, that's what you call them, have that reputation. So we were having uh, dinner, and as we were talking, you know, about what he was doing, and he kind of, for him, he was again an internal call. So sweet, sweet old man, you know, his second Camino, and uh, he kind of like it was time to do it, and... Uh, yeah, it really is some kind of spiritual retreat for him. And he made a point to differentiate between religious and spiritual. And what's interesting, uh, one thing I realized, there is a pattern. And the French one seems to win overall. Buenos días. Gracias, también a ustedes. And what's interesting is not that he said it is that I realize a lot of French make a point saying, I am not religious. And they really want you to know it. And then you can feel that energy behind it. And of course, other people too, but I find more, of course, only my encounters, but so many more French do it systematically. The older couple that I talked to, like Eve and Virginie, you know, the one I spent time with yesterday, they are Catholic. So for them, you know, obviously it's different. But for the French, like Gilles, a lot of people, it's like, I am not religious. Like Anthony, Anthony uh, Astragas, my friend from uh, south of Paris, he makes a big deal out of it. No, not, don't even get me started. Do not associate me with that word. Very, very, very strong uh, feelings. Well, maybe more so intellectual, but I think, you know, emotion, strong emotion. And so as we're talking, and I'm like, but uh, tell me, what's the difference between... Uh, religious and spiritual, you know, and it was like, 
well, maybe spiritual, it's a little more selfish, you know, it's more about me. Say, but isn't, I mean, aren't you looking, are you looking at getting richer? Are you looking at, you know, abusing people? Are you looking for powers? Or are you just looking for like a more authentic life, a fulfilling life with meaning? Yes, I'm like, well, isn't that when you talk to people, you know, who have religious, religion of faith, you know, that through that, they are basically trying to develop that spirituality. And for whatever reason, for them, the, the, the religious model seems to be a bridge that's compatible with that kind of Camino. And so interestingly enough, uh, most French that I would talk to, they would just say, no, I'm just not religious, and nah, 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 nah. they would have a very strong case and very strong feelings about uh, how they feel about that. Okay. And, uh, but him was not. It was like, hmm, interesting. So that was quite something to find somebody who's like willing to reconsider his belief. And uh, anywho, and he was like, I'm going to have to think about that, which made me like the guy even more. You know, not that, hey, I make you see the light, but it was like, interesting. It, it just caught him off guard, but he was willing to go with it. So that's one point I want to make about that too which was interesting on the Camino. And this one, I have kind of touched on it, but uh, who knows? Maybe this time there will be another insight that comes about, or I will formulate my thoughts in a different pattern. So, it has to do with uh, the lifestyle that I've been living for the last three years. You know, for the majority of people, it will be weird, for some it will be crazy, and definitely atypical, and some you know, may be interesting, uh, and some most likely indifferent, but on the Camino it's different, you know, it will be like most people in society, somebody, somebody driving a Lamborghini down the street, be like, wow, you got that? And you know, and be like, wow, you've been doing that? What? You can do whatever you want, whenever you want, all you own in your world is on your backpack, and you just... You don't worry about the future, you don't have insurance, you don't have retirement, you're not rich. You know, it's, it's, uh, they're looking at this kind of exotic, at this kind of like recipe, or, or what is your recipe? Like it's a, the cake of success in, uh, in life, you know, and there's a higher percentage than in regular life that I meet on the Camino. And of course, it is not one thing, it is not the other. But it is interesting how it is viewed. Uh, I've kind of tried to explain that it has nothing to do with that. The, the, the doing itself has nothing to do with, uh, you know, with happiness or success. You know, because in a way you could look at homeless people. You know, many of them, you know, uh, have some kind of contentment or have no interest to. Uh, okay, hold on a second. I need to make sure. I'm pretty sure I'm on the Camino here, but I'm on a. I'm on a beach now. Uh, yeah, this is correct. Okay. All right, so I'm still... All right. So, oh, yeah. Okay, good. So, is not very far. And I see some staircase, so I'm pretty sure that's where I'm heading. All right. And then here I got a cross. Uh, let's see if that log will hold me. So, it is very, very interesting. 
So, you know, I will still, you know, as we talk to people, it's something that is obviously meaningful. And I think uh, there's something worth sharing sometimes for people who may be stuck or confused or feeling lost, that, you know, that it's not necessarily a bad place to be. And possibly, you know, to be open to it and to lean a little more instead of being so fearful about it. And... Uh, But a lot of the time, people kind of look at it like, oh, this is it, you know, this is what I'm looking for. And this is not it, you know. The, the very material expression of whatever is going on inside of me is not expressing a truth, does not embody some form of success or happiness or forever and ever. It is just uh, uh, very interesting, temporal, you know, momentary, actual expression in my life of what resonates. It does feel to me as if my life is more authentic than it ever was, but it's not due to what I'm actually doing, but more due to what's deciding, what's guiding it on that path. And uh, so life, in a way, I think... I would call it some through biofeedback, yeah, life feedback, kind of is letting me know that I could be wrong, of course, but it's been doing that for a while, but I'm doing good, you know, that I am, uh, that I am on the path, and uh, whatever that means, so I feel good about that, but the path is not what makes it, and that thing, that actually makes all the difference. I have no idea what it is, how it works. You know, it is, it is a complete mystery to me, but somehow that's interesting part. It's almost esoteric in nature, actually, what I'm about to share is that there is that interesting relationship between my conscious self, you know, my reasonable intellectual emotional, the human being of the senses, Anthony, and whatever that abstract parallel reality of, let's call it an alternative, an alternate Anthony. And uh, that's really the best that I can kind of describe that. Uh, and what's happened in my case, and that's where it gets very interesting, is that uh, though I have not been doing it, shit, I have no idea here. There are so many paths. Uh, okay, I'll go here. You know, though it's something in my, it's a kind of a lifestyle, it's a state of mind that has been with me only recently, uh, but it really has been quite impactful, you know, surprisingly and re relatively fast in terms of not only who I understand myself to be, what define, you know, quality of life, quality of moments and experience of connection and relationship, and also high end or stress, you know, like curveball things of life, things that before 
were way more emotionally con consequential, which are now becoming just ripple on the sea. And it's, it's not something that I'm doing. I'm just aware. I'm just aware of the, of the change, and I've talked about that. I don't know if it's temporary because it feels so strange. It feels so unanthony to not be that reactive for the things which I've had a problem with, but I have never known how to deal with them differently. So you know, it's 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 definitely a challenge for me when I have those interaction. You know, to to being like you, dude. There's no there's no pride in here. There's no credit. You know, there's no effort, there is no, there's no book, there's no recipe, there's no path. I don't know what it is. But in my case, the only thing that I know is that I know what it's not. And uh, when that's made blatantly clear that something in my life, then it becomes impossible for me. It's unsustainable to try to force it. You know? Like my example with Glenda, I mean, a life of 22 years together. And then <laughs> being unable. I can't say unwilling, I really can't, because I don't see the choice. I don't see myself being, no, I would prefer to do that. I just couldn't. It wasn't in me. It, I didn't have it to give. I loved Glenda. I would have loved to support her, you know, to, to give her a lifestyle, to... To give her those things that you know would make her happy that she desired that would have made me happy but it wasn't in me so i understand people who i would almost call it the curse of curse of adaptability who are able to produce the results who are able you know to study to do what's expected and they get to this place, and then they get a degree, and then they get the job, and then they get a tenure, you know, and then they are basically, you know, anchored. And then at some point, like there's a movie, The Professor, I don't know if you've seen that one with Johnny Depp, where I worked for this very fancy Ivy League uh, kind of a private college. Uh, my guess would be in, uh, in the northeast part of the States. And the movie starts where he's basically diagnosed with stage four lung cancer, which has metastasized, basically is fucked. And he can do the treatment, have about a year, year and a half to leave, or, or he has about six months. And he's like, fuck it. You know, he's not going to do the treatment and he's just going to go out that way. And then what happened in his uh, behavior? You know, it changes completely. How he deals with the students and with his life is personal relationship, which has been a fiasco, kind of uh, similar, really, to American Beauty. When, you know, it's basically your your midlife crisis, you know, though in this case, uh, well, actually, yeah, yeah, pretty much midlife crisis. Um, and uh, for a different reason, you know, American Beauty, that was his job that kind of forced that on him. So they would not have done it they would not have changed, even though they were miserable, because they are either somehow 
forgotten, they were miserable, or they were self-medicating themselves, or they were doing whatever they had to do to be able to bear it, you know. And I'm not talking about bearing the cross here. It's just that you had, uh, you know, all those benefits, all those things in your life, all those convenience, and it was unbearable, the idea of losing all of that, that somehow life will, would be less you know, you'll be that the discomfort, possibly initially, or whatever it meant, it was worthwhile putting up with that, that which was becoming more and more of a fairy tale and really a nightmare, than to embrace the unknown and to being like, no, I do not want that in my life. Not because I want something else. Well, obviously you do, but not knowing what it is that you want because if you've been living that life in that way for so long and then you find a way to justify then really a part of you is basically saying this is what i want so you realize oh i don't know what i want so that that realization of i don't know means then it's going to be something that i'm going to have to learn and my my lens are fucked up Kind of like me with, uh, with food, you know, nutrition, being a French chef, you know, when, how I saw food before and, you know, what I saw that I really liked, what was good, well, I guess what I liked technically was good for me, right? And, uh, oh shit, should I go, should I go barefoot on the beach? Uh, I think so. Let's go. We are on the beach right now, very close to summer. And so... Uh, where am I going with all of that? I guess I do love to walk and talk, but I guess the, the path can distract you at times. So I guess it's a theme that I think I'm going to keep exploring because it's very interesting in terms of uh, what we think we know, what we think we want. Uh, okay. Um, And uh, and the ones that somehow, for whom it belongs, uh, it belongs, it becomes unbearable to to keep following such path. So I think that's enough. I'm enjoying though. You know, I don't know about you guys, but I have to say it is. It is rather enjoyable, those, uh, my diaries entry, that's what I want to call them, on the, on the Camino of Life. And uh, I feel like I am able to articulate more effortlessly and without overthinking, you know, uh, what's happening to me or something that may trigger an emotion or a thought and then to go with it in a place which is more in the moment, shall we say, you know, which is not so much in my head. You know, my head is obviously very important, that muscle to my brain to, to articulate, to organize my thoughts. But there seems to be what I call that flow state, a part that has actually nothing to do with uh, my intellectual capability, but somehow that can interact with it. And uh, I end up, 
having ways of uh, spinning my thoughts that I find more dynamic, more closer to, shall we say, the present. So I'm not sure how useful what I'm sharing is, but I am enjoying that exercise for sure. I find it quite rewarding. So I hope that uh, <laughs> I'm not the only one. Anyway, I'm going to bang my shoes here, getting the working bag. I don't want to put too much thing in my bag. Okay, that's good. I'm not going to spend five fucking hours cleaning the sand off my shoes. Okay, that's what it means when you're by the beach, right? It takes a little while to get all that fucking sand out of you, out of your life. Anyway, it's a, it's a ridiculously gorgeous day, so... Uh, I wish you a beautiful day, guys. Going to really enjoy this gorgeous uh, June morning. And uh, on to Sa uh, Santander I go. All right. Love, peace, and buen camino.